Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Today is a very special recording. Caesar Kaiser has kindly stepped in for techie duties. Carrie Hardy's here. I'm here, your host, Mark Williamson, and I'm joined by Will Anderson and Justin Hamilton. Caesar, hit the music and let's get started. Welcome to Edge HQ, everybody. It's a full house. Will Anderson, how are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, thanks for coming along. Justin Hamilton, how are you? I'm just happy to be somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's well, you're up in Sydney, mate. It's yeah. rare that we get you. Thanks. What, where, why the delay? Where you been? I just don't really know. Uh, basically, I said to my management, uh, to our management uh, in, in April, saying, why haven't you put me in Sydney for two years? And they gave me uh, a very articulate, oh, um, well, you know. Uh, so we finally got some uh, gigs up here and I've uh, come up to uh, support Will on his uh, final night of his tour and uh, get back into the swing of things. Oakley, Harold Park and back at the old stomping grounds at the oh, Mike in Hand. Manly too? Uh, no, no man. No, no man. Oh, you missed out on uh, Yeah, no. I had the shelf on uh, uh, Monday night, which is the show that I run in Melbourne, and uh, I do miss Manly because there's nothing better than just throwing jokes into the black ether and uh, having an existential crisis. The good thing about Manly is the <laughs> good thing about Manly is this, there's an ice cream shop next door. If you tell them you're in the comedy, they'll give you a free ice cream. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, and that is cool. the only good thing yeah. about Manly. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally the only gig in my life yeah. where I, I have, like, I've never been back after this gig. Wow. I did it once. And I've never been back because I was doing this, and this is like probably ten years ago or something now, right? This is your young Triple J days. Yeah, so right. I'm doing this set, and I'm doing this bit about um, there was this 15 year old girl who had got um, breast implants for her birthday. That was the like, the story it was based on. So I'm doing a piece about how bad that is, and this guy in the audience is like, "Yeah, that's brilliant," and like just going on and on about how he'd love to have a 15 year old girl with breast implants and whatever. And so I'm knocking him down, and he's coming back up again. And I'm like, "Man, this is a guy that." Wamba wrote a song about. He has had a whiskey drink, he's had a vodka drink, and he gets knocked down and he comes back up again. It was like he didn't notice. Like it was literally like he was like, strike three, I have another crack. So he's come back at me, and then eventually I said to him, and this is the first time ever. I've like done something like this in a gig, but I settled the whole audience down. And it, the funny thing was, the gig actually had gone quite well apart from this guy, yeah. but I had found him so horribly offensive that I felt like I just needed to not... I didn't want it to be one of those gigs where like he came up to me at the end and was like, how good were we tonight? Yeah. Like We really made that gig, all that pedophile stuff I had. Brilliant. And yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, it's the guy from Hey Dad. Ta-da! <laughs> If it was him, this would be a better story. But it wasn't. It was Andy Muirhead. And uh, it wasn't. No. no. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah. Uh, no. I'm just disappointed that you got in first. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so anyway, I got to the end of the show and I literally like said, look, I don't want this to be one of those nights where everyone, he goes away and he thinks this is like, this was a great night. I said, if you honestly think it's appropriate to have sex with 15 year old girls, then here's what you should do tonight. You should go home and you should look in the mirror and you should decide if that's what you really want to do, take your own life because the world will be better without you in this, on this planet. Respect. And then I took, put the microphone back in the stand and I walked off the stage 
through the audience, up the stairs, out of the manly room, never to go back again. Didn't even and, wait to get paid. Yeah, Didn't no, even yeah, wait yeah, to get paid. Yeah, I went, like, fuck yeah. that. I am gone. <laughs> I was literally, by the time people would have been going, he's not coming back. I was in my car and driving home. Yeah. Oh, you got the Because it would have been awkward if you were sitting there on the ferry and then he comes and sits next to <laughs> <laughs> you. Know, that's what would have happened to me. What I would have done is I'd say, you know, go fuck yourself. I'm out of here. Walked to the bar. Waited for the woman who hated comedy to serve me. Written out an invoice. Gotten my money. Walked up. Waited for the ferry, sat next to him, and by the end of it, I'm so soft, I would have gone, no, oh, you know, there were some positives about him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this happened to him. Seizure, who's on tech today, you got heckled at the mic in hand. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that gig. Because, yeah, he, he was heckled at the mic in hand, and it, was, it wasn't the bad heckle, but it was in his younger days. He didn't really handle it well. And then he goes downstairs, he's a bit angry. And he's just sitting there steaming. And the guy who heckled him goes, hey, it's you, Chats, like, hey. Yeah. And then so just sort of talked and then walked off. Then we all went to a Porto's afterwards. No, and so- no, no, you missed a part. Uh, basically, I was dealing with this heckler and uh, he, you know, I tried handling it, but I couldn't handle it that well. Yeah. So I'm just fuming as I get off stage. I go downstairs. I'm ranting about this guy. I was like, oh, that guy's a dickhead, blah, blah, blah. So then this guy comes behind me after the show and he's like, oh, hey, man, how you doing? I was like, oh, dude, look, that wasn't cool what you did up there. And he goes, oh, I was just trying to help out, dude. And I was like, man, you don't interrupt art. You don't go up to the Mona Lisa and add a line here or there. Yeah. You know, let us do our thing. And he's going, but I'm just trying to help out. So he, I'm like getting into an argument with this guy. At this point, we're yelling at each other. And then security comes up and they're like, oh, all right, break it up. Yeah. So then, you know, we disperse. Then we walk to my mate's car and... Uh, He's parked right next to us, and it starts all over again. <laughs> oh, my God. You drive home, turns out he's your neighbor. <laughs> he's only halfway through. <laughs> so we left, and we're like, screw this. So we decided to go get some food. We went to uh, Porto's, which is nearby. And we're walking, and I'm just yelling and screaming. I was like, that guy's so annoying, man. Seizure has an anger issue, yeah. if you haven't gathered. Yeah, it's all in the name. <laughs> so we get there. And right behind me is... Uh, no, in front of you. Oh, yeah, that's right. In front of me. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. That right in front of me is the guy. And he's like, oh, it's you again. And I'm like, God, nah, that's it. I'm getting a kebab. Yeah, look on the guy's face. Like, he turned around and when he saw surgery, his eyes lit up. It was one of the funniest things. This I was just hoping he got on the train it, with you. It sounds like a sketch that would turn up in Sam Simmons' problems. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, when we're in uh, Rome uh, on holidays, uh, Amy and I... We, we, there was this couple that we thought were like this American gay couple who we like swore were stalking us because just every time we would go to something, these dudes would be at the same thing. And they were, they were the most annoying guys, not because they were gay, obviously, just because they were annoying, because they were American, probably. Yeah, I'm more yeah. racist than homophobic. Yeah. And, uh, they, one's acceptable. But they were just loud Americans on holidays, you know, those, yeah. those sort of people who thought that if you shouted, people would understand you better. Yeah. And so I remember um, uh, over there, you've got to say, if you want, like, sparkling water, uh, they call it uh, water with gas. So you've got to say, you know, do you have water with gas? And that's how you order sparkling water, right? And we were in this restaurant, this really beautiful restaurant, and they were just like yelling at the waiter, do you have gas? Do you have gas? Right? Then we got on the plane. They're sitting, we're flying like back to London, then to fly back to Australia. They're on the plane, on the seats next to us on the plane, no. right? The, the the person comes out and gives the uh, little uh, things you wipe your face and hands with, like towels. in the towels, the yep. hot towels. They don't wipe their face and hands. No, they disinfect their entire... 
Like, you know, so they're wiping down... Like they're covering up a murder. Yeah, like literally, but they're like wiping down the table, yeah. they're wiping down the chairs, they're wiping down... Oh, right. And Amy has just looked over, because by this day she's just so grumpy at these people. Yeah. She's going, oh, for God's sake, you're sticking your dicks in each other's ass. How how concerned about being clean are you? Sensational. Wow, that's edgy gear. Yeah. Don't chat to them and then hit them with a heckle line. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just put them in their place. Oh, man. You know, the, 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 worst, the weirdest experience I've had with a heckler was back in 2000 at uh, PJ O'Brien's when uh, a friend of ours, uh, an American comedian called Harmon Leon, was performing. He had a really funny show, but it was not selling. And so at PJ's, there was like 400 at this gig, and I was hosting, and Harmon was getting up to do a spot. And it was kind of important for him to do well, maybe sell some extra tickets. Anyway, he gets up, and this girl who was maggoted just heckles him so badly. Like, there was nothing he could do about it. And I was furious on uh, behalf of Harmon, and I got up and kind of had a crack at her, and I said, if you keep talking, I will fucking destroy you. And in the dark, I couldn't really see her properly, but she kind of gave me the come on with her hands. So, uh... Uh, anyway, it, it, it was it was stream of consciousness and finished with, you know, you should really think about drink driving alone on an abandoned highway because no one would give a fuck, right? Anyway, I see a couple of her friends drag her out and people are cheering, rah, rah, rah. So anyway, a couple of weeks later, I was uh, started dating uh, this uh, really nice Swedish girl and, uh, you know, things were going quite well and we were hanging out a bit and about six weeks into the relationship, I'm hanging out with one of her friends at a gig. She said, hey, how's everything going? I said, yeah, it seems to be going pretty smoothly. She said, yeah, how bizarre is it that the first time you met, you destroyed her from on stage and she had <laughs> dragged out. And I was like, what? And it's like, yeah, she, had she not brought that up? And it was amazing because this girl was gorgeous and things were going really well. But as soon as that happened, I honestly looked at her and where that is one unattractive motherfucker. And that destroyed the whole relationship. I couldn't go out with her after that, no, knowing that she was that person. That's fair enough, because remember, we did this, uh, Justin and I did these late shows in Adelaide at the uh, Rhino Room, and we just did this, like, muck, <laughs> muck around late night show. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. just an extra show we added. The two of us were going to go out on stage and improvise. I mean, we ended up doing two hours, so it must yeah. have been all right. But um, <laughs> but it was kind of, it was a weird late night gig, because most of the people were really into it, but there was these two girls down in the front row who just couldn't get the idea that like, they had to be quiet. They were into it. Like, yeah. they were front row. And, like, they're trying to tell us about their lives. And yeah. it turns out that one of them had come seventh in the Olympics in Ye- canoeing or something. So, yeah, ninth, wasn't it? <laughs> ninth, ninth in the Olympics. <laughs> she wouldn't <laughs> shut like, the fuck up. I remember saying to her, yeah. going, you may have come ninth in the Olympics, but I'm pretty certain we're the two funniest assholes on this stage, so yeah. shut the fuck up. Yeah, and they wouldn't shut up. But no. the, her mate was worse. Her mate was heaps worse, and she was just like wanted to tell us all about how her mate had come ninth in canoeing at the Olympics. And after the show, <laughs> like this girl, the mate has come up to me in the bar and said, "Hey, um, you know, me and my friend, uh, would you like to like you know, go home with like the two of us, right?" And I was just like. I'm so sorry, but I could never sleep with someone who talked right through my show. Yeah, no. Like, I would... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I would just feel so... Like, I'd be betraying myself. Yeah. I could sleep with someone who doesn't listen to me, but I couldn't sleep with someone who who talked all the way through the show. No, because I talk all the way through the sex as well. You know, I'm trying to... Trying to concentrate here. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other people. You're ruining it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that uh, old anecdote. It's my favourite comedy anecdote, but it it, it, it it sums up that mindset of 
the comedian. And it's like, I mean, this is a classic story. I did, it's certainly, I'm not the first person to tell this, but I, I think this sums up the stand-up comedian's brain more than any other story, which is this guy's playing Vegas and he has a seven o'clock show and he has a nine o'clock show. Seven o'clock show goes okay, nine o'clock show kills. He gets back to his hotel room, he's feeling pretty good, you know. Phone rings. Hi, I'm one of the dancers in Vegas, uh, saw your show tonight, thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in the world. I just think you're incredibly attractive. What I'd like to do is come to your hotel room right now and we are just going to make wild, passionate love all night long and then I will leave and you will never have to see me again. And the comedian says, did you see the early show or the late show? (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask, how do you guys deal with people if you see them texting or or something during the show? Man, I had a girl in in my Sydney run of Willarius who was sitting in the front row and she was tweeting but laughing her ass off. So, like, she was... She was doing that thing where she was like, she would go, ha, 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 laugh, and then back to the phone and tweet. And then, ha, 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 laugh, and back to the phone and tweet. And it's really hard to... I think people these days are so used to all these fucking TV shows and stuff, and this shits me up the wall. Like, all these, like, oh, we should um, we should uh, put Twitter on the bottom of the screen. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, hashtag this, hashtag that. Yeah. yeah. How, about, how about you just make your fucking TV show interesting enough that people don't have to do other things? No, because then they'll have to pay people to write it. You know? Yeah, that's but that's. Do it. I don't also, want. I don't want to fucking distract from what's going on. Say something interesting enough that people aren't going to their computers to like talk about it. And also, I don't want to be watching a show and hear what fucking Jimbo from Parramatta has to say. Like, I don't give a fuck. I, watching I, the show. Well, this yeah, exactly. Sort of the cricket. The cricket now. You can tweet. They every like they don't do it all day, but well, they'll go like slats will go. Oh, let's check the tweets, and it's always. Well, yeah, I can understand that for cricket though. Up. I talked. I talked it about. I talked about it on uh, Gruen, but I, I think the b- best invention would be to just invent a piece of black cardboard that you put across the <laughs> screens of tellies, so you yeah. don't have to watch all the annoying tweets on like Q and I like Q and A, except for all the fucking people who think they're hilarious <laughs> um, who tweet into Q and A. Yeah, and I know Monday a lot of those nights. people, and it makes oh, me hate you, them. You, yeah, you yeah. <laughs> I never get on. But, okay. yeah. no, because they're too busy fucking putting Marie Cardi and yeah. fucking. You know, the usual suspects everywhere. I mean, people I like, Marek and Dad Illick and yeah, people yeah. like that, who I think are really talented. But I just don't want to fucking yeah. see that shit all the time. So, I, but I think this is the, the problem is that we've told people all the time that we value, we want your feedback. We want you to be more Not that much, though. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't want your feedback. I, like, you're coming out to see me. Like, you've all paid money to sit down and shut up and hear what I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know... Uh, before, there were a couple of times, like really early on, uh, I made the mistake of having cracks at those people. And what, what happens to the show is that everyone's enjoying themselves, and because they can't see the person tweeting, yeah. if you have a crack at them, the rest of the audience just goes, why did he get angry for no reason? Oh, no. For it now. No, I, um, I saw Kitty Flanagan at the Enmore a few weeks back, and um, it was one of the most joyous occasions I'd ever I'd ever seen. There was obviously someone sitting in about the fourth or fifth row back from the Enmore. Yeah. Um, and I had really good seats, but I still couldn't see them. Yeah. Um, and she she made mention of one of them. Uh, don't you think you can put your phone away? Just it it's a ninety it's a eighty minute show or whatever it was. Just just for this period of time, put it down. Yeah. Ignored it. A couple of minutes later, again, and then she came off stage. Just said, "Look, I'm I'm sorry. You just you're fiddling too much. It's distracting. I'm taking your phone away." Yeah. And she walked in, grabbed his phone off him, and just took it back on stage. You can come and see me after the show, and you can get it back then, or maybe not. <laughs> and I was, yeah. oh, I was no, thinking in the audience. Yeah, powerful. Like I mean, that's but that's also a good 
like she went that extra step further of yeah. going and mm. that's what makes it if you just yeah. win them but she went no I'm going to take it and everyone's like oh yeah, yeah. I get that yeah. oh it, it was also, just I had a bit of a comedy crush on her after totally. that and yeah. it's also an implicit yeah, well, yeah. threat to everybody else <laughs> yeah like it's why if you're playing a room where people can walk in and out like say you're playing Adelaide Fringe and you're in a tent in the gardens mm. so people have been drinking maybe it's late at night first person who just walks out and clomps out down those rickety stairs that they put in a tent to put that, that mm. if people start doing that all night, you've got to destroy the first one. You've yeah. just got to mm. say to people, yeah. you're like, you've got to go, you've got to kill the first one. So everyone else is like, fuck this. I'll <laughs> yeah. rather whip myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got to do it. Yeah. You've got to do it. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I did a show called Circular, and uh, we put together a little app that, if, when I talked about stuff, you know, I'd say you can you can uh, check it out, you know, and it'd add you know extra materials like footnotes. And for that whole season, I'd start off the show by saying, "Hey, you know, other people who don't like the." Uh, the phone's being turned on, I want you to turn the phone on. I want you to do this. I want you to go to this app. You can follow things through, blah, blah, blah. And for the whole season, not one person turned on their phone because they (laughs) all thought this is going to be a trick of some sort. So I had, by chance, the most attentive audiences uh, I'd had in the last (laughs) few years because everyone from that moment just went, holy fuck, what's he going to do to me? But it would have been fine, but not one person did it. But it's hard. We've got to draw a line in the sand, I think, in general, about mm-hmm. this sort of stuff, because it's just going to get well, you're worse and it, worse. You get some uh, places, they announce it, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Well, some places, they literally are jamming them now. Like, you oh, know, you mm-hmm. can get in school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure you can jam. Oh, no, I've got voted for Opera House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got the, 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 the self-jamming. <laughs> It'd be good if they found out that Vodafone were just really concerned <laughs> about theatre. So, like, every time you go into a room where there's performance, your phone doesn't work. Yeah. Well, that's why they have Q&A. such shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That should be their motto, you know. Uh, Vodafone, helping the arts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'd be back. I'd go back to Vodafone. Yeah. They'd send me that. bills at the moment. I, I was with Vodafone for, like, 17 years or something because I joined up with them when I first got a phone, and I'm one of those people that, like... Even if it's the worst service in the world, it's much. Mm. I'll just stick with what I have rather than having to change. So I finally changed after years of bad service, and now they're still charging me. Like they keep sending me bills. Like and now now they're angry at me. And the other day they were like, "Oh, you haven't paid these bills. We're going to cut off your service." I'm like, "Well, a, I'm not with you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I have a Telstra phone that works fine. Yeah, uh, b, uh." I didn't have service when I was with you. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, this is yeah. going to be no different. You would have thought they knew you weren't with you when they actually got through. Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. they sent me texts yeah. to my Telstra number. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Maybe uh, maybe they should threaten to put you back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't pay these bills, you're going to be fucked with us. I do find that audiences, uh, it's very weird. I was doing a, um, a charity gig in Byron, uh, Ballina, uh, which is near Byron the other day. And it was for mental health and suicide prevention, and it was a bit of an eclectic lineup, but it was great. Yeah, it, yeah. it was like good community event, like you know, and there was like four hundred people there at the mm. Ballina RSL, and everyone, because it's for charity, like everyone's in a great mood, you know. Everyone went really well. All the comedians went really well, and like the audience were like they didn't care that, that everyone was kind of different and was doing really kind of different material. It wasn't like one of those like they've come to see me and so they won't like Bev Killick or something. They mm. were great. They were just a great audience up for a great night and understood yeah. that everyone was there for yeah. the right reason except for when i was on this one woman 
like, and, and apparently afterwards everyone said they saw it coming. Like from the, minute <laughs> I, from the minute I got on, she wanted to be part of the show, right? But she walked from her seat down to, if you can imagine, about 10 metres. So there was a corridor right up the middle, like where right. you'd stand in the middle of the stage. She walked down that, like I was doing a Q&A. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I was yeah. doing a Q&A and there was a microphone down the front. Yeah. She like just walked down and started having this conversation with me about like, uh, what do you think of Ballina? Have you been to Ballina before? I want to know. I'm like, are, are you the mayor? Like, are you are, are here on behalf of the Tourism Commission? Yeah. But she was one of those people that she wasn't trying to be mean. Yeah. So you don't want to, like, you don't want to crush someone who is... Stupid. Stupid? Yeah. But also you don't no, want to crush you... someone who is, like, their intentions aren't to fuck up the show. Yeah. You know, their intentions are, I don't know what their intentions are. They're just drunk and excited or whatever yeah. they are. But I think you've got to kind of go at someone with the same energy they bring to you. Like, that's what we, the mistake we make a lot of the time is you see new comedians and someone heckles and they go with their prepared lines or whatever. Yeah. And it's the wrong energy for yeah. what the, you kind of. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone yells out something along the lines of, you know, I've seen this one. It's like, that is so funny. And then they go, yeah, why don't you save your breath to blow up your girlfriend when you get home, motherfucker? And you go, where did that come yeah. from? You know, but it's because they're so keen to use that. Line. I always think when you're uh, re- responding to an audience, it's it's only about like you know using the energy. You, you just basically take the energy they gave to you and kind of put that back yeah. that way. I think one of the weirdest heckles that we had at um, Whit Large, and it wasn't really a heckle, um, and we always had a very lovely audience. They were always very polite and attentive. Um, occasionally, they would. Um, smile more than applaud and that was a bit weird but um, there was this one woman and I can't remember who was headlining but she was sitting front row and in the middle of someone's set she just kind of looked over at them and started having a conversation about I'm running this magazine would you be interested in coming and headlining for the launch of my magazine it's starting up at in in two months time or whatever it was and this poor person who's on stage is I'm I'm performing yeah Um, yeah I'm like, well, hang on, I can give you the details. Wait a minute, and I have a business card somewhere around here. <laughs> and the rest of the room, it was a packed out, it was yep. a packed out house, yep. and everyone's just standing there going, "Well, no, it, it, no, no, no. This is this is the this is the set. This is the performance." Yeah, yeah, it, that happens. Audience members who yeah. mistake the show for a conversation. Yeah. But yeah, was... but this was like a job interview. Job interview. Yeah. <laughs> Must have been a successful comedian. Most of them have stopped. Hang on, I've got a corporate here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, what are you right. I think it was the only strange. It was the only one of those those times where we had a problem with the audience and it was just such a bizarre problem to have. Normally when someone heckles, it usually starts off some other hecklers. Imagine if other people started offering jobs. That'd be yeah. Great. yeah, well, I've got another gig the next yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. What about that? Suddenly by the end of her set, she's got a full tour. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, uh, we've told this story on uh, another podcast, but uh, this was the heckle that destroyed me in Perth. Uh, Justin and I are doing Perth shows and, um, <laughs> this is great. It was uh, look. It was uh, it, so when you go to Perth, you have to kind of do double shows because I don't like to do really big venues, mm. like because I think there's a certain size that once you get beyond that, in com- we were talking about this today with Russell Brand um, doing the Sydney Entertainment Centre, and I was like, I saw Radiohead at the Sydney Entertainment mm. Centre, and they've got a massive you know light show and audio visual show, and they're like a six piece band at the moment, mm. and still you wouldn't have wanted to be right up the back, you know, no. to enjoy it as much as everybody else. I'm, I kind of think, like, you know, as a comedian, what do you get out of playing the Sydney Entertainment Centre? You know what I mean? Like, it, like it, how do you 
how do you talk to people at the back? How do you enjoy it, you know? So um, I, I like to play, I think about a 1,000 is the, the, the biggest you can get. Like mm-hmm. uh, any much, much more than a thousand people, I don't think you have that intimacy. And even in most thousand seat rooms, if you're right up the back, I don't feel like you're really connected to the performance. So when we do Perth, that means that you have to do double shows to kind of make it, you know, financial. So we'll do a seven and a nine and that sort of thing each night. So this is Saturday night, the last show of the run, second show. Yeah, we should give the, the what happened after the first show, because that makes it even funnier. Right, so, well, I, and this is the other problem with me doing double shows, is I like to get um, a little drunk before the show, and when I say drunk, I mean high. So, uh, <laughs> so I'll get a little high before the show, and then I will drink during the show, and normally by the end of the show, I'm quite tipsy, but that's fine, because it's the end of the show. But when I'm doing a double show... Then you kind of have to go, well, how do I maintain this level of like what I like to be for my performance without like tipping over to the other edge, right? It's kind of, it, you know, it's a fine balance. People don't know how hard it is to say the right amount of drunken high. Well, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be a professional amount of drunken high, not yeah. a unprofessional not, amount. Not an amateur. Not, you, know, like you or I don't do multiple gigs anymore because of that. Rogers yeah. likes to get wasted after a gig and. Two, he's useless for two days, so they'll never do like two or three nights in a row in the same venue. Yeah, he, he can't. You need to teach him how to do the balance. I've got well, a cheese credit now, Mark. What? I've got a cheese credit. You mentioned you and my. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, so I've gone back to the apartment, which is near the the theatre, mm-hmm. right, to um, uh, have a joint and to like just have a break in between the shows. So Justin and I have gone back and. <laughs> There's three steps. Now, if you can imagine these three steps, they just curl around like that. So it's like yeah. a little step and just three steps that curl around in, in, like in that. A, in a half circle. Yeah. And the steps are therefore not, you know, fully formed, yeah. like little triangles. Yeah. So. so I've gone to step down these steps, which you think I should be able to do, but it turns out I couldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was one of those moments where Justin's already down the bottom of the steps, yeah. you know? And so he saw me. and I oh, re- Initially, I, all I heard was, Oh dear! Yeah, and then, and then <laughs> I've turned around and I've watched uh, the host of Gruen <laughs> fall over in slow motion. Like it was slow it motion. It was. It was in slow motion. But you know that one of those things where you know it's gone wrong, but you know you also can't do anything to make it better. It's like you're just trying to do that thing of going, "How can I n- not hurt myself the most?" Right. So I've gone down, like bloodied both of my hands. So now it looks like I've got stigmata. Right. <laughs> so I've gone back to the gig. I'm bleeding from my palms. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Gone out, it's been a really... Justin did his bit, I've done my bit, and it was like probably the best gig of the It was run. awesome. It, it was, was just, it was a, it was a cracking show. It was just one of those things where everything and went And all right, the gigs you know? in Perth had been good, yeah. and this one was the cherry on top. Yeah, so I've got to the end, and sometimes if it's a really good gig, I like to kind of slow it down at the end and have like a little moment and share something sort of yeah. unique with the audience or whatever. And uh, so I, I, I slow it down for this moment, and this guy up the back heckles. But he... He wasn't really heckling, heckling. Like, it wasn't it an was aggressive... A <laughs> it was a question that he didn't realise no. went straight to the bullseye. Yeah, it was the greatest heckle of all time. Like, literally, the, the, the biggest heckle that's ever floored me. Because he just said, Have you put on a little bit of weight? Now. <laughs> oh, my God. So... And he asked it like that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And because here's the thing. I had put on a little bit of weight, but because I wear black on stage, I was like, no one's noticed that I've put on a bit of weight. I'm wearing a bigger <laughs> pair of jeans than yeah. I normally wear, but nobody would know no. that I've put on this weight. And it's like, it would literally went straight to, I'm like, oh, fuck, everyone knows. Yeah. Everyone knows. Oh. They've been thinking about it the whole show, that I'm puffy. Uh, it was like being heckled, like, with truth. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> the only other heckle that would have been worse was if he yelled out, you don't call your nana enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know, but she's so passive aggressive. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as it happened, as well, I was side of stage. We're uh, watching it with uh, our tour manager Claire, and as soon as it happened, Claire and I looked at each other, and the look that we exchanged was, "Well, that's ruined the night." <laughs> Because we know we are going to be talking about this for the rest of the night. And then we watched uh, Will on stage talk about how it had hurt him. And, and he pointed out his bleeding hands. And, uh, and then and it was... Uh, you know what? Actually, the audience loved it yeah. because it was... Uh, it, like, I had people tweeting me about yeah. it and, uh, you know, talking about... God, what was going on with that person that said that thing about his weight? And tell Will he looks fantastic. <laughs> because he'd been so mortally wounded, people are contacting me to let him know, don't worry, you're a spunk, everything's going to be okay. It was so funny. Oh, that's bo- did, you, did you sort of think, like, did you go back and write some heckle replies if you get that one again? or? No, 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 but I have told that story a lot. A lot. So. <laughs> it's like, that's but what hey, it always does. You, you did bring them a, a unique, special little moment with that. Well, that's the thing, it. because I ended up, and I can't remember how I got there, but I ended up, like, explaining to them. And that, that's that great thing about uh, trusting the moment of, like, if you have a natural response to that situation. Like, my natural response was to talk about how it was true and how it was flawed and show them my hands and talk about blah, blah, blah. And the audience started to get really into it. And then I, then I started talking about how it had been the best show on the run and how I, it was so perfect and I just slowed it down to have a little moment. And yeah. then he said this and I was shattered and I said, I've got to be honest with you, when I look back on this show, I'm going to remember it's the one with the cunt. And you are that cunt. And if you ever hear me talk about the show with the cunt, you'll be like, that was me. I am that cunt. Yeah. I am the person who did that. And it became this whole thing like it was probably 15 minutes of stuff but like you could never do it again like I couldn't if the same thing happened you couldn't because it was the natural response that worked you know you've got to you know just only give them back the energy they're giving you like a natural Mm. sort of and that was the weird thing about this girl in in Ballina was that she kept coming back like she just kept coming back but none of it was mean spirited it was literally just so you as a comedian it's hard to kind of you have to shut someone down gently because you don't want to be mean-spirited. But after a while, like, I literally had to say to her after a while, I said, look, I'm on your side, but <laughs> everyone else in the audience hates you now, like, because yeah. you're ruining the show. There's got to be some way the two of us can get out of this, you know? Yeah. Like, you've got to be... Sometimes you've always got to be on their side, take them in rather than, than the opposite. Yeah. Worst thing I've had said to me in ages uh, was uh, on Oxford Street a couple of days ago. <laughs> Have you heard about this? No, and, uh, I was, uh, uh, Amy was uh, going to pick me up. She said, oh, I'll meet you on Oxford Street. I said, okay, no worries. It's about 1.30 on a Wednesday afternoon. And while I'm standing there, this uh, homeless guy has walked up to me and like gotten right into my personal space. And he's looked at me and gone, you're a fucking ugly hooker. And all I could really think was, no, I reckon you're correct. Actually, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. No, I, if I was a hooker, this is some disappointing yeah. shit right yeah. there. You know, you would have to do like really messed up shit to get money. Oh to yeah, make. I would yeah. be turning yeah. tricks that no one asked for. Yeah, that's right. You'd be like, <laughs> stick it in my ear. Yeah, I would shave weird things yeah. into my chest. Exclamation mark. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, the bat signal. Yeah, the bat. Signal. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. You could yeah. dress as Batman and you could shave the bat signal into your chest here and people could ejaculate on your bat signal. Yeah, and I, and I could yell at them, get over here! Uh, but, but remember... Where is it? Where is your semen? Where is the trigger man? Where is the trigger man? 
remember the gig at the Comics Lounge uh, when I was doing support for you there and I came off stage and I'd managed to sweat the Bat logo onto my oh chest. Oh my God, that was, was amazing. Yeah. yeah. We were doing a gig at the Comics Lounge in Melbourne <laughs> and Justin really came hot. off stage and he literally sweated the Bat signal into his T-shirt. It was amazing. That's uh... yeah. Now I'm really interested in your service. So like, uh, how much... <laughs> I'm just happy for the attention. And, Come and along. Do you have found your audience? Yeah. In yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that would be uh, that's that's the worst thing that I've had said to me in a long time. But me, you know, didn't really, you know, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it could have been a compliment. Like you know, he's considering you. Like you know, maybe he was yeah, just maybe. You know, he's... Yeah, what he's saying is he'd pay for it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but I mean, he probably hell. he probably sold a lot of big issues to come back to find <laughs> you later yeah. on. You know? <laughs> Here I am, walking off. Yeah. Where's that hooker I can afford? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a better offer of a lift. Yeah. Well, you got picked up in the end, yeah, anyway. Exactly. exactly. So well, you guys are on the road quite a bit. Like, you're in Sydney at the moment. Just you do any sightseeing while you're here? or Seeing the Opera House? <laughs> I, you know what? I'm really bad when I'm on on the road like you know especially like with roadshow and things like that I get into a town and a lot of comedians like someone like Damien Callan and yeah. is really good for this he gets in checks his bags into his hotel room goes for a wander turns up has 15 minutes of killer material that's that's pertinent to that town only and uh, I get into a town and uh, I go to my hotel room and I have a snooze and then I wake up and I think oh there's some biscuits uh, I have the biscuits and then I think go to the gig and I do the gig and then after the gig I go back to my room and then I go somewhere else. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really go sightseeing or looking around. I'm usually, I usually, I get really tired on the on the road actually. But also, like, I mean, this is the thing that I, I mean, because I'm a bit like you. I mean, I wish I, I've been to Montreal five times and I've seen nothing in Montreal. Yeah. Like, never. Like, all I've ever seen is the hotel they make you stay in and the venues where you do comedy. Like, I've never been anywhere else in Montreal. If you yeah. ask me what Montreal is like, I have no idea what it's like. It's Canadian. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. comedians. <laughs> all I remember is there's heaps of comedians from all over the world there. But that yeah. may not yeah. be the case outside yeah. the Jess yeah. Philosophy. So you, you're going to make that mistake that <laughs> yeah. people who come to the Adelaide Fringe and think, fuck, how good is this? I'm moving and then to Adelaide. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, it's what have April. I, what have I done? <laughs> Nothing to do again until Fringe next year. <laughs> what a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. So I um, uh, but I but the thing about comedy is I think sometimes we forget, and because you have all your day, we forget. We think, oh well, we'll fill our days. But the truth is that the most important thing I'm doing most days is my show. Like the the thing I'm getting paid for most that day, the thing that people have like saved their money and have come out of their houses, and it might be the one thing they do that month that is fun, or it might be man, it might the be the comedy show they, they see, see for the year, year you yeah, know? yeah. Like so, my thing is like, well, you really your whole day should be built around being at your best. Yeah. Like the thing about nighttime work, we sometimes forget is like you know if I'm doing a like in Adelaide, my shows at like nine thirty or something, right? Yeah. Nine thirty at night, which means that there's a lot of the fucking day to fill in. And you don't want to be like just doing it just before you go to bed. You should actually be at your your peak for the day mm. to do it. So I think sometimes people do make that mistake of going like, well, I'll, I'll pack all this shit into my day. Yeah. And then you rock up to your show and you're just fucking exhausted. Yeah, you, you know, and I reckon there was like, there, there was a, a shift in, uh, I think it was our generation of the, the, the and this is a generalisation, but the uh, the generation before us, you know, it was a bit more boozing and partying and getting up and doing stand-up. And then uh, I think around our generation, people started getting uh, more regularly uh, radio, TV and, and stuff. And so there's a good work ethic, I think, in a lot of comedians. 
but uh, they jam too much stuff in the day, and it's almost like the gig is, oh, and I have to do that. And in the last year, I've tried to, you know, when I have gigs, or especially if I'm going to be going and doing new stuff, I clear the day, and that's what I actually work on. Mm. And invariably, like, uh, the, the hit rate for the new is, you know, you get lots of people coming up go, wow, that's the first time you said it. It's like, yeah, because I spent seven hours, not necessarily just writing it, but just thinking about it and not, you know, tiring myself out before I go and do the gig. Thinking about how you're going to do it and how yeah. the gig might go and if this happens, how will I deal with that? Yeah. And, like, I mean, I think that all that stuff without wanting to... I mean, because I think a lot of it's still instinctive as well. You should try, try to go with the moment. But I do spend a fair amount of my time kind of just, like, you know, doing a little sort of have a think. I've I found it's been the most... Uh, the thing that's improved my work the most is just doing a little kind of visualisation about how things might go yeah. before you go to things, whether it be television or radio or whatever. If and sometimes it's just as you're driving in to do a radio interview or whatever, but you kind of like just take a moment to think, how might this go? Like, you know, what is this show like? What are they likely to, to talk about? Like, if, I, if I'm going to do radio, I always will try to listen to that radio station before you get before there. I get there, just to kind of get into yeah. the rhythm. It's like when you're at. Uh, I was about to say, it's like when you're at primary school and you're doing skipping with the girls, right? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> High five, fellas. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, I looked around the stream yeah. and all these guys went, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like they're doing the big rope skipping and yeah. like you oh, would yeah. have to be on the side and you'd do that little wavy thing to try to get the rhythm of Before the rope you the so you wouldn't dutch. run into the... Yeah. yeah, right? So I feel like radio sometimes is a bit about that because you can't necessarily just bring in your energy to any situation. Sometimes yeah. it's about going, well... What is going to suit this thing this morning? Is it going to be like two quick minutes or would they yeah. like me to chat about something that, that you know, some radio shows like I find, like I, I do, um, and it's quite an unusual one, but they're great guys and I really enjoy doing the show, which is uh, Fifi and Jules on like the, you know, the Today FM network around mm. the country. So it's a real, it's not my audience traditionally, that, mm. that sort of audience, but I love doing that show, but I've never brought anything in. Like they always just get me in to comment on some, yeah, arc they're having to bring a sort of different beat to something they've got going on or whatever. Yeah. And I love it because it's fun. You don't have to do any work. Yeah. Like, you know, you can just bounce <laughs> off them and they're great, you know, because that's what they want you there yeah. for. Yeah. So I, I think that sometimes we forget that it's not a, you know, it's not, it's some people go, oh, it's a set thing and I'll do this and I'll do that. It's about trying to find the, I always compare comedy to surfing because I say that like, you know, every surfer, no matter how you know, good you are or mm. bad you are at surfing, if the waves are perfect, you can catch some good waves, yeah. right? But it's the really good surfers who can catch waves no matter what the ocean's like. You know, they adapt yeah, to the... Yeah, yeah they... Cause, and the audience is the ocean, man. Mm. Like, the audience have to do with the show. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about that. A, go a good audience can make a show and a bad audience can break a show. Yeah. But the better you get, the better you get at, like, you know, turning a 4 out of 10 audience into a 6 out of 10 audience yeah. or whatever. You're never going to be able to just brain every yeah. audience you know you can't catch big waves on a flat surf yeah but, yeah. yeah but you can do your best you but know? you know the, the the constant uh going through and thinking of what you're going to do uh, as, as an example uh, i've got some new material uh, about uh, a, a rant against Qantas, uh, <clears throat> and i spent about <laughs> that that whole set about social media i spent about seven hours on it before going down to spleen in, in melbourne to try it out and for, you know, there was a bit of writing, but it was a lot more thinking about it, as you, Will was saying, thinking the different approaches where I might do things. And the initial way I was going to end it, I just it just did not sit comfortably with me. 
for the whole day. I walked into the city, still wasn't happy about it. Got to a point where I was thinking, I might try something else new because I know a better out. And literally, because I'd been thinking about it for so long, when Josh Earl went on stage to introduce me, I suddenly went, hang on, I can finish it like this. And if I put these two ideas at the start, that'll tie it all off. And then he introduced me and then I tried that and it worked perfectly. Mm. And it's like I could only get to that point because I'd spent seven hours thinking about it. If I hadn't spent that seven hours, I would have had something that was of lesser value. Yeah. You know, so you need to be putting in that effort mm. and thinking about things and how you're going to approach them. So when you do uh, present it for the first time, you know, you can still, you can ad lib and you can bring new energy, you can bring new ideas, but you, uh, you give it the best opportunity to fly. No, absolutely. And now you got you just got back from Vegas. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I went over for a convention uh, that my favourite hooker writer, convention, yeah. a hooker convention. Yeah. Met a hooker with a heart of gold, <laughs> brain of copper. Going to yeah. go back and marry him. I love yeah. Roxanne. And uh, no, it's uh, my favourite writer is a guy called Grant Morrison. And I went over. He was uh, curating this convention, and it was my fortieth birthday present <laughs> from my uh, from uh, my mum. She paid for the flights. I bought the ticket and went <laughs> over there and uh, and just kind of blissed out in a nerdgasm. But it was great because there was a few. Uh, um, uh, Australian comedians over there by yeah. chance, Ben Elwood, uh, Mikey Milios, and Adelaide comedian Nick Skier. So it was really nice to be in uh, Vegas with those guys and uh, just nerding the shit out of it. Was Mikey trying jokes on you the whole time? No, <laughs> no, he was good. When Mikey started out, um, like he started, he was so keen. Yeah. He would just try jokes all, like you couldn't have a conversation. Oh, I remember. What, what, yeah. Yeah. But uh, we, uh, <laughs> we uh, on the final night, uh, we uh, partook in a J and went down to the Bellagio and watched the uh, the Fountain uh, concert with all the music that, that takes place. And uh, we realised that we were pretty ripped when, uh, at the end of it, Ben and I had this very serious conversation about, I reckon that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Like, I honestly think that was beautiful. Should we hang around and watch the next one? And then we watched the next one and went, wow, that was beautiful as well. And then we caught a taxi back to the hotel and we were telling this guy about this parasite that gets in cat shit that once it gets into Talks a mouse... Osmosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes them really bold and confident. That was and, good. Uh, that was like having a footnote. That was a good one. It's like this podcast comes with its own Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it easy. You don't that's have to look it up. Yeah. Cats and it. cheese. That's yeah. Gary. And uh, Ben and I were <laughs> discussing it with this taxi driver who. Uh, Ben's like, do you really adore your cat? Because you might have this parasite in you. And the taxi driver's like, oh, right, okay, well, adore seems to be a strong word. I, I do love my cat. And he's <laughs> answering us really seriously. And then after a while, he's going, well, I've got to be honest, I didn't expect this conversation to take this direction, but I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've been having so much fun. We're going to make this a special two-part episode. So what we're going to do, this drops on a Monday, and we're going to bring you part two on a Wednesday. So mark it in your diaries. We'll be back with part two. Justin Hamilton and Will Anderson.